Hey everybody, welcome to episode 45 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt. And if you're tuning in this week, I just want to say thank you. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate all of our guests that tune in every single week. Uh, But just want to give you guys an extra thank you this week uh, because the show continues to grow. Um, The audience numbers continue to grow. The international and domestic, um, pleasantly surprised at how this thing continues to grow and multiply and um, it's all because of you guys Uh, it's because of you sharing it of you commenting telling other people um, it's all super helpful for me and for the show um, and for the other families that are out there that are looking for some of the same information and resources that you guys are so um, I would encourage you to connect with us on social media um, Instagram Facebook YouTube Twitter um all those different channels, you know, continuing to try to put out some information there. Even got a page on LinkedIn for you parents that are out there, uh, business professionals, uh, posting some different articles and stuff there on LinkedIn. So uh, Facebook as well. But I I would just encourage you guys to connect with us on social media and please continue to give me feedback. Um, You can do that through direct message on social media. Uh, You can do that by commenting on different posts. You can do that by emailing me, juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. Um, so I would really appreciate any and all feedback. Um, I just want complete transparency. So, uh, the more transparent feedback I have, the more that I can continue to, uh, cater the show to what you guys are actually looking for. Find guests that speak to the things that you guys are interested in learning about that you have questions about and navigating your junior golf journey, whether you're a parent or a young player. So, um, really appreciate the feedback that I have gotten so far, but always encourage more, um, as we continue to grow because it just helps me try to figure out, you know, where we're going and what direction and, you know, how I can continue to bring and add value to you guys, um, in your journey. So without further ado, our guest this week, Dr. Katie Brophy Miles is the founder and CEO of Golf Globally. Uh, she started Golf Globally about four years ago. Um, she is, it is a recruiting firm uh, where she helps families and players navigate their junior golf uh, journeys, but it's, it's a little bit more than that. So we're going to dive into you know, what golf globally is. Uh, we've got a really good conversation for you guys. Katie and I had the opportunity to connect about four years ago out in San Diego at Junior Worlds, which is where we met initially and uh, reconnected a couple weeks ago, had a good conversation. It led to um, you know us recording this podcast because uh, she's very knowledgeable about this space. Uh, Katie was the head coach at Georgetown University. Uh, she was a college coach for 11 years total, um, was most recently before she started golf globally, the head coach at Georgetown University uh, from 2011 to 2017, where she was a two-time Big East Coach of the Year in 2016 and 2017. Before that, she was the assistant coach at Indiana University. Uh, she played her college golf at Notre Dame, um, actually acquired the first uh, female golf scholarship at Notre Dame, uh, which is very impressive. Um, she holds you know, several records there. Um, she's racked up several wins in her playing career. And uh, so she's definitely bringing a lot of experience to this space. And I think you know, if you're looking for somebody that 
if you need help with this college recruiting, uh, having somebody that's been through it, you know, as a player, uh, that's been through it as a coach, uh, I can't think of a better, you know, setup, you know, to, to lean on somebody, uh, you know, for advice in this space. So definitely has a lot of value to bring to you guys. And so I think you're really going to like this show. Uh, we're going to talk about her background and intro to golf. Uh, she got, you know, quote unquote, a late start in golf, which, you know, is a topic that we've talked a lot about a little bit on this show. Um, we talk about, you know, what golf globally is and how they operate. Uh, we're going to talk about the complete student athlete, you know, education and golf. You know, yes, for some of you young players that are listening, that education piece uh, is super important, um, as much if not more important than the golf piece. Uh, but they're both important. So we're going to talk about both of those. We're going to talk about, you know, what coaches look for, communicating with coaches. We're going to talk about social media, uh, which is something that, you know, Dr. Katie's got some unique um, experience and education in the world of social media uh, management. So we're going to talk about it from a, you know, connecting with coaches and teams and following along and those types of things. But we're also going to talk about, you know, your personal branding and what that looks like and how you should be portraying yourself on social media, which I think is very important for anybody that's out there on those platforms, but especially for this uh, younger generation that grew up with social media and really knows no different um, in terms of, you know, that type of platform and, you know, how should you be branding yourself and, you know, what's the image that you want to portray? So I'm going to talk about that. And then we're going to talk about some of the unique uh, challenges uh, that we've got to overcome, you know, during this time with COVID-19 and, um, you know, everything that's going on there. Katie, um, had some very similar experiences uh, for some of those parents that are listening right now with 9-11 that was going on during her recruiting process. So not exactly the same, but there are definitely some parallels there uh, that we can draw with you know the situation that she was going through um, at that time, as well as you know what some of the young players are facing right now uh, during you know COVID-19. So. We're going to talk about that, uh, but all in all, really good conversation. Dr. Katie uh, is an expert in this space, and so I think you guys are going to take a lot of value away from this. But um, before we get into the show, I want to talk to you about my partner, Golf Kicks. If you guys have been following along with me on social media, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you're not, go follow Junior Golf Keys on your social media platforms. Uh, but Golf Kicks, you've seen me posting about them. Um, I've actually, you know created a pair of shoes. What they've done is they've uh, created an aftermarket spike that you can basically put into any tennis shoe um, with rubber soles. And so it's a really unique opportunity. Um, it's a unique opportunity for all you sneaker heads that are out there that are looking to bring some you know, flavor and functionality to your uh, golf kick game. Uh, it's going to really help you do that. Uh, they've won some innovation awards on Golf Digest, My Golf Spy. They did a deal with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank. Um, so they've really changed the game when it comes to, uh, you know, kind of, like I said, bringing that flavor and functionality uh, to your golf shoes. So I would encourage everybody to check them out, golfkicks.com. If you go over there uh, and you want to order something, if you use the code JGK20, like Junior Golf Kicks, JGK20, uh, they're going to give you 20% off your order. So encourage everybody to do that. Check them out, buy a pair, um, you know, put them on some shoes that, uh, that you wear some, you know, sneakers that you'd love to wear out on the golf course. And I've personally played with them. I think they're awesome. Uh, my experience so far has been, you know, I get the comfort of, 
a tennis shoe, uh, but I get the functionality and the grip of a golf shoe with some spikes. So um, I would encourage everybody to check them out and give them a try. Uh, that's using the code JGK20 at golfkicks.com. So um, really appreciate you guys tuning in today. You sit tight. I'll be right back with my interview with Dr. Katie Brophy-Miles. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Our guest this week, Dr. Katie Brophy-Miles, is the founder and CEO of Golf Globally uh, and has been for the past, going on four years, and I've got Katie on the line with me today. Katie, how are you? Great. How are you? I'm awesome. Yeah, thanks. Um, We are both just kind of joking that we're tucked away uh, in our houses and, uh, you know, trying to keep away from distractions and stuff right now with everybody at home. So uh, should be a fun episode. Hopefully no serious interruptions. <laughs> yes. Here's hoping. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, I appreciate you doing this. I mean, like we've talked about, uh, and for those of you that are tuning in, uh, Katie and I met about, I don't know, maybe four years ago or so out in San Diego at uh, Junior Worlds out there. And Recently reconnected and, you know, had a nice conversation last week and, you know, thought we had a good opportunity to do an episode to bring some value uh, to this group just around um, college recruiting. And I'll let her kind of go into what golf globally is. But um, I guess before we get there, Katie, can you just kind of talk to the audience and give them some context around your background and how you got introduced to the game? Yes. Uh, So, I started golf, I would say, you know, relative to the world that we're living in late. Um, I really didn't start competitive golf until high school. Prior to that, I was playing, I I started in seventh grade, really, and I really didn't play more than Mondays at, you know, junior golf day at the club. Um, So I was in the short nine division where you had to break, I think it was, uh, maybe 50 from the 150 and in, which I never seemed to surpass really, I think uh, maybe until very, maybe shortly before high school. So I didn't play in my first tournament until the freshman, my freshman year when I didn't make the the team uh, for my high school for the first tournament and somebody ended up getting hurt and I was playing club volleyball at the time. And my dad actually drove out to this tournament that we were playing in the middle of nowhere an hour from from high school campus. And he said, you've got a bag packed in the car and there's a spot that's opened up and it's going to you. So let's we got to we got to speed to get there pretty much. But, yeah. um, but the, the team's leaving in an hour and you're in. Wow. So. I was at the time actually on the bench. So it wasn't like I was in the game. Um, So I was very easy. It was a very easy transition for me since volleyball, my volleyball career was probably not panning out uh, the way I had anticipated. And so I played in my first tournament and I shot 107, but I didn't get last for the team. I finished fourth. So I was able to go to the next tournament And uh, that was really how golf started for me. I was, uh, you know, didn't necessarily think it was all that fun until there was that team environment and then that competition that, you know, and and then I quickly worked really hard and was able to uh, play in 
a lot more things yeah. um, that same year. Uh, but but that's really how it started. And it was definitely a, kind of an unlikely story. Yeah. Yeah. So did you go on to play and uh, I'm assuming you continued to play high school golf then for the team? And then did you play some like outside tournaments and stuff like that? Yes. So that same year, my lowest score was 90. And I was really excited about that Okay. uh, with this for the for this high school season. And then the high school season was in the spring. So really quickly transitioned into junior golf. So the Washington Junior Golf Association had some tournaments and I started shooting in the 80s. So, you know, that was really, I mean, for somebody that's kind of just starting out, it's so exciting to see those kind of milestones be met. For sure. And then I qualified for the state championship, which was also very exciting. And then, you know, got to got a different level of competition and meet new people from all over the state. And I ended up making the cut by shooting 84, 82, which nobody knew who I was. Everybody was kind of like, well, who is this girl coming (laughs) in, you know, and making the cut of all things. And then of course the, the day that, you know, I made the cut, I got a little excited and had a, had a big (laughs) shot, a pretty big number, but that's, that's part of golf development. So for sure. It was, uh, and then, and then from there, you know, I, I really spent a lot of time working on my game. I had uh, two really, really great teachers: one who is a college coach, and another one whose sons played in college and and had sort of created this junior golf development program at our at our club. So, uh, ended up the following year shooting in the seventies, and and was you know, at that stage playing in USGA events and junior world. And, and it, it was, uh, I would say because of the amount of work I put in and, and the teaching that I had, I was able to, uh, by my sophomore summer qualify for national tournaments. Okay. Okay. And then you go on through your junior golf career and then you earned, if I'm not mistaken, the first uh, women's college golf scholarship at Notre Dame, right? I did. I did. So that was really kind of, you know, you're, it's so interesting how everybody's path will kind of come out of nowhere. Sometimes it's, it's never, never really what you expect. And the, I was actually very, I almost played at the university of Washington and I, and I really, I saw myself going there. I had a lot of friends that were on that team that that team was very talented. I mean, they've won a national championship since the coach that was there is kind of just a legendary person in the state of Washington, Mary Lou Muffler. She's a legendary coach. Yeah. They've had a really solid program. So yes, so good. And it would have been such an honor to play there. Um, And, you know, but it was so funny that the day that I was going to commit to her was uh, the day before, the night before, was uh, Junior America's Cup down in Costa Mesa, California. And the assistant coach from Notre Dame called said, you know, I know we've never responded to Katie's letters because at the time we wrote letters, we didn't write emails. I know we right. never responded and we're really sorry about that, but we're about to hire a full-time coach for the first time. And Katie is our number one recruit. Wow. So my my dad had gone to Notre Dame and we went as kids to football games through the falls, you know, through the years. And, of sure. course, had kind of 
it was had it had a lot of mystique to it and and you know the tradition of Notre Dame football and Notre Dame in general was very special uh, but I never really saw myself going there because their golf coach never responded to my letters and you know their their team at the time didn't have scholarships or you know it was it was definitely more of a participatory model uh, and you know I didn't expect that call. So my parents called, we were staying with host families and they called and said, Hey, this is, this is crazy. But, uh, the Notre Dame coach, assistant coach called and said that you're their number one recruit. So, um, anyway, long story short, I didn't end up committing to the university of Washington. I ended up winning that tournament and ended up getting interest from other, uh, PAC 12 coaches yeah. And then, you know, I, I, I don't think I could shake that uh, idea of playing at Notre Dame. Um, yeah. You know, I had visited some other schools and, and then, you know, I, I had visited Notre Dame. It was also during 9-11. So oh, wow. yeah. um, 9-11 happened in that September. And so that was when I was supposed to take my visits and we had to push back my Notre Dame flights because the airports were all shut down. And mm-hmm. it was a very, very interesting time. But ultimately, I ended up playing at Notre Dame and it was a it was a great experience. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, there's, it's interesting as you're talking through all that stuff. I mean, a couple of things jump out at me. You know, you talk about 9-11. Obviously, we're experiencing a time right now with COVID-19 that's, um, you know, thrown similar hurdles in the way for you know, college recruits and stuff like that. So I do want to talk about that, but um, I want to go back. I do want to go back and talk about, um, I think one of the things, and, you know, we've both talked with a lot of families and and tried to help them on their journeys. um, And that's, you know, what this show is all about too. One of the things that I think families um, and young players struggle with sometimes is, you know, did I get started too late? You know, the whole recruiting process, it seems intense and overwhelming and, um, you know, you talk about your story and, you know, getting a quote unquote late start, um, you know, really into, you know, competition, but you, you know, accelerated pretty quickly over a couple of years span and had some nice interest and created a nice opportunity for yourself. Um, can you just talk a little bit about just that whole idea of, you know, being a late start and players uh, peaking at different times and those types of things? Definitely. You know, it's interesting because there were quite a few, elite players that were, you know, when I was comparing myself to them as a 16 year old, they were miles ahead, but it was interesting because by the time they got to college, they were kind of over the competition and, you know, to a certain extent kind of burned out. Sure. Um, So, you know, as a coach and I coached at the collegiate level and one of the hardest things you try to identify during the recruiting process is finding those players who are not just in it for the scholarship, but who actually love the game and want to play at an elite level. So there is a balance between those players who are excellent at eight and, you know, winning the U S kids and Pinehurst, you know, and, and, and where they are as 18 year olds and 22 year olds. So I think it is hard now with the, you know, with different, golf associations and the the fact that you know you need to earn PBE for the AJGA or or different things that you might need to start pretty young 
yeah. uh, there is there is that element that that makes makes kind of starting later a challenge. And I and I see it with students of my own now as as clients where if if they're not playing in those or, you know, not playing well in those kind of few starts that they get early on, mm-hmm. then then there is quite a bit of catching up or or the ability that, you know, you might never you might never have the opportunity to play in a big event uh, yeah. like an AJGA. However, there are so many tours now and so many great tournaments that regardless of the start, regardless of your start date, there are opportunities and coaches are looking for players who shoot low numbers. So if you are working hard and you are diligent and you really, really want it, I think sometimes having a a varied background can be to your advantage and, Mm -hmm. you know, having played multiple sports or, you know, having been a leader on a team, regardless of the sport, you know, those are really transferable skills that coaches are looking for in their student athletes. So there are definitely opportunities to showcase your talents and, and, you know, it's really all about building a schedule and finding, you know, tournaments that, that might not be the big ones that everybody is like really considering, but, you know, coaches are going to see, see low numbers and red numbers and they're going to say, okay, well, you know, this kid can play. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I want to definitely talk about, you know, things that coaches are looking for and, you know, more about, you know, what families and players can do, but can you talk about what, what is golf globally? So golf globally is a college placement company. I, I actually bought the domain when I was a coach. Uh, I was doing some camps over in Asia, and I met a lot of families who were really interested in sending their kids to America to play college golf. And so we would have these conversations that typically, uh, you know, would result in me asking a lot of questions about the process for them that they hadn't even considered or thought of yet, like the SAT or the TOEFL or different things that you would need to do to get admission into a college in the States. Um, And so I named the company Golf Globally because it was about, you know, it was about obviously the game of golf and, and playing at a global level uh, and, and having a number of kids from all over the, the world. So I now help students from different have students from I believe 13 different countries and I have kids now from all over the U.S. so from the northeast from Texas from California Washington so kind of all over the U.S. and I help them with the different steps obviously communicating with coaches and then I have sort of a, you know, component where I help them with leadership and goal setting and personality testing. And, you know, what does that mean in a competitive golf setting where there might be pressure and, and different things. So it's more of a holistic approach to the college recruiting process. Yeah. Um, well, this audience, I mean, we're very fortunate in where people are tuning in from. I mean, we've got I think at this point, 46 different states in the U.S. Um, that folks have tuned in to listen to this show and then across the world, uh, 33 different countries. So there's a very great inter- yeah, international audience um, here. So could you maybe go into some of the differences between 
the recruiting processes for international students versus uh, domestic? Definitely. So one of the challenges for international students is there isn't, unless they're on WAGGER, which is hard to achieve a WAGGER ranking, uh, a specific, uh, you know, specifically as a young teenager. Right. Um, there, and, and now there are more tournaments that are on junior golf scoreboard that are in an international events. Uh, and, and in fact, it's been a kind of a, an interesting process. I've, been overseas 14 times in the last two years and so um, it's been one of the things that I always tell you know tournament directors in different countries is you know you've got to make sure that these kids are going to be recognized by the rankings and so Mm -hmm. uh, that's fairly new within the last couple years right with junior golf scoreboard well there I feel like I mean, they've, they've obviously, they've been around since the 1999. I had a conversation with Mac recently. Um, right. but the, the international component. The international though. component, yes. So it's right. actually great. You know, a lot of these tours are put, are sending their scores to Junior Golf Scoreboard. So, yeah. you know, from the, the standpoint of coaches, you know, trying to evaluate how good these players are, if there's no way for them to know about about them and there's no way for them to kind of have like a standard of, of – what's your ranking? You know, what are you shooting? What are, what are your scores? I have no idea, you know, what, what these tournaments are like, what's the yardage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's been really helpful um, for students, but that's one of the biggest challenges is, is, you know, a lot of students think, and this is not just international students, but a lot of kids in the U S too, it's the same thing. They think, well, if I just play well, coach, coaches are going to find me and I, coaches will know about me. Right. And, that's not true. A lot of the time coaches will just probably assume you're not interested or you might be communicating with other schools already or might even have offers already. So one of the, I'd say, you know, just having, you know, making that first communication and sending that first email, showing your interest, following teams on Instagram, following coaches on Instagram. uh, Those are, kind of the first steps, but a lot of international students don't know about that. And mm. so their challenge too, you know, when you pair that without having a ranking or, or any way of coaches finding out about you, that that's a right there that kind of will eliminate your prospects of being recruited. Yeah. So, um, you know, there are a lot of different kind of country specific. I have a, now I have a student from South Africa, so they have a, you know, kind of an order of merit, uh, within their, they've got state state orders of merit as well as the countrywide order of merit. So, you know, coaches at least that know about that are able to kind of search that and, and coaches who have recruited a lot of international players are able to find that information. But uh, I would say that's one of the biggest challenges is just kind of getting coaches to know who you are. Sure. Yeah, because historically, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that Junior Golf Scoreboard worked before they were recognizing international tournaments is, you know, international players would have to travel to the U S and play, I think four or five events at least a year, right. To be recognized in that system. Yes. Four, four events that are two days, two day events or greater. uh, Yeah. Within that calendar year. So for, you know, so, so that was right. That was the path prior 
to, you know, now there's quite a, there's quite a few tournaments that are in, that are in Thailand that are recognized on there and in India as well. I mean, a lot of different, different countries. So it's nice that that's become more global and students are able to be recognized from that. Yeah. And I'm trying to pull it up right now. I was trying to answer my own question, but I guess uh, with you wrapping up that answer, I'm assuming, so junior golf scoreboard has a function within it where uh, players can go on and they can actually filter out uh, by state, by time of yes. year to see where events are being played. Is that now trickled over to the international events as well? I actually, I don't know. I believe so. Okay. I can't. <laughs> but, I'm actually on the yeah. website right now. I'm trying oh, to find great. it. But, so hopefully I'll answer it maybe by the time of our talk here. <laughs> yes, I, th- I, th- I think so. I mean, I, I've looked at that before. The, the pro- what it used, I, I the last time I looked at it was probably about a, a last summer. Okay. Obviously, there have not been that many international events being held this summer. Okay. Um, the, the the problem was some of the tournaments that were being held, the tournament organizations weren't posting those. That was what that was what uh, I had seen prior, or that was what I had seen before. Okay, um, okay. But, it does look like they've got a a, a country filter on their search. Um, their search options so you can filter out by month by state by country by year um different tournament types opens invitationals those types of things so it could be a good resource for those of you that are listening that are just trying to figure out what events are good events to play in that are going to be recognized um by the ranking systems yes um so yeah juniorgolfscoreboard.com is a good place for that but um Let's talk about communicating with coaches a little bit. You talk about, um, you know, coaches may not recognize players or, or may, there may be a, a perception from players that, you know, coaches are just going to find me if I shoot good scores, which, you know, that does happen for sure. But, you know, what are some of the proactive things that uh, players and families can be doing to communicate with coaches? Yes, that so that does happen. I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, you know, there are, there are a lot of coaches who want very, very elite players to come and make an impact for their program. So there are players for sure that will be, that will be discovered. But I, sure. I would say the majority of students can't rely on that. Or, yep. or if they do that, then they might be too late. You know, they might, they might get discovered, but a coach is going to say, well, shoot, I wish I would have heard about you a year ago. You know, right. I've got two spots and they're already filled for your class. Yep, so, yep. Uh, right. One of the things that I always tell students and, you know, a, a lot of coaches will say this too. I do a lot of camps with coaches is you can never start communicating too early. And, you know, of course, as a sophomore, you're not ready to play college golf. Why would you be? <laughs> you're right. not expected to be ready. So that's yep. fine. Sure. But if you have, you know, sent some emails, sent kind of an update every six weeks to two months or so, depending on, you know, what type of information you have to share. Um, You know, you, you recognize the, the team's performance and you congratulate them on their conference championship win, or obviously this year was a little bit different, but you know, when you are showing that you're kind of engaged in the team's success and you are, you know, kind of, being complimentary or, you know, kind of showing the coach how you could potentially fit into their program in the future. I mean, those are, those are really useful things that you can do in those communications. Um, 
you know, as I mentioned, social media is a really popular thing. I wrote my entire doctoral dissertation on that. So, you know, college coaches are on social media. A lot of them are and their programs are. So you as a student athlete and a parent can learn a lot from a team's Instagram page. You know, what's the culture like? What's the what are the what's what are the players shooting? Where are they traveling to? Do they get to take an international trip? You know, obviously, you know, within a more standard year um you know those those things are really cool pieces of information that you can you can learn about a program i've had i feel like uh coaches and teams have done a really nice job of showcasing a lot of different aspects of the program so on on those types of uh outlets yeah i agree i mean they're you know, like you said, there you're, you can find information around tournament travel. I mean, even a lot of them are showing, you know, their fitness programs and, you know, they do a, a really good job of highlighting certain players, whether it be, you know, birthdays or, you know, obviously results and stuff like that. But, you know, it can give you a little bit of an inside look to personalities, which is always good. I mean, a lot of the conversations I've had with college coaches and you were one and, you know, coached at a really high level culture is such an important thing to a program. Um, you know, there's definitely some information that can be found through those social media channels, uh, to help, to help educate, right? Big time. So, so typically what I tell, so, you know, when you're looking at kind of that communication as a whole, freshmen, sophomores, I would recommend, you know, kind of sending those emails, sending those updates, somewhat regularly. You don't need to hound coaches. I mean, they're busy. They're getting a lot of emails. You don't need to be obnoxious, but you can do it in a way that's, as I said, you can, you know, comment on their team's progress and these other things. It's not, doesn't necessarily need to be all about you. Right. And so then by the time June 15th rolls around, you know, hopefully you will have had some conversations maybe with some division three coaches who can be speaking to you as freshmen and they can have phone conversations with you and over, you know, and, and that's a really good way for you to sort of learn kind of some of the basics of college golf and June 15th of your prior to your junior year. So following your sophomore year, the open and, you know, from there you can have some, phone conversations with division one and two coaches and, and learn more about their programs. What's interesting is we just had June 15th. There were a lot of programs. Well, not a lot, but some programs that are already full for the 2021 or 2022 class. You know, once June 15th hit, they were, you know, telling kids, well, sorry, now I can officially tell you that we're full. So what has, what's happening is, you know, there are going to be some programs that have recruited players that, you know, they've maybe watched players already and they've communicated with swing coaches and those types of things. So so that that does happen. And that's why it is important to start early, uh, especially if you're a pretty good player. Yeah. And yeah. And then by the time you're, you know, in that summer, your sophomore year, junior year, you need to be having pretty serious conversations. And if and if you're not then you need to reevaluate your list of what schools you've been communicating with, because that means, you know, if there's not a match there, then you're probably aiming too high. You're probably going for those top 20 schools that everybody wants to go to. And, you know, you probably need to be a little more realistic 
because on the men's side, there are over, you know, 1100 options. And on the women's, there are over 900. So there are, there's a fit for you out there. Yeah. And the most important thing is finding the right fit. Yes. Um, so important. I think, yeah. It's, and it's tough sometimes, you know, because, and I think we've talked about this a little bit too before, but um, especially with some of your international students, um, there's not as much information internationally about uh, the wide array of schools and options. You know, you maybe hear about a few schools um, if you're an international student. And so those are kind of the ones that you latch on to and think, you know, that's the school I want to go to. But, you know, they're really tough to get into some of those programs, you know, combination of, you know, athletics and academics. Um, you know, it's all about being a complete student athlete with student being the, the primary focus there. I think that's something that's pretty important to you. I don't know what you want to share there. Yes, I know. We talked about this last week. It's so the the fit is really important. The student part is something that, you know, when you're going through the recruiting process should be a very important part of your search. The, you know, I always like to say that there are three areas that you should be exploring when you're looking at what's kind of the perfect school for you. And that would be the academic piece. You know, are you going somewhere that you are going to be able to major in what you're hoping for? And will you be able to get the support that you need to be successful? Will you have the resources? Does the athletic department, does the, you know, do, are they providing tutors? Are you, are you going to be supported in a way that's going to set you up for success? You know, the athletic piece is huge. You know, are you going to be the bottom player on a team you know mm -hmm. spoiler alert if you tell a coach that you want to be on the team and they kind of know that you're not going to contribute right they don't they're probably not going to be super interested <laughs> yeah um you know or if you even i had players through the years as when i was coaching who would say yeah you know i kind of just I, you know I, i'm okay being kind of like the number five six and i'm going like what are you, what, who told you wow. to say that? That's yeah, terrible. no kidding. Um, you know, but that, that piece is really important to know, you know, what the coach's goals are. Are they, you know, is, is, is golf going to be the, the only piece that they care about? Uh, are they going to be supportive of you majoring in whatever you'd like? I mean, those are really important things to figure out when you're going through the recruiting process. And then the, yep. the personal piece, you know, are you going somewhere that's going to help you achieve your goal to play on tour if that's what your hope is? Or are they, is it going to be a supportive place for you to end up on Wall Street? If that's sure. the goal, then, you know, the, the schools that you're looking at would probably be very different than if you were trying to go play on tour. Yeah, so it's, absolutely. it's all a, a process of figuring out those things. And, and really, you have to do a lot of research yourself. You know, you can't just rely on what the coach says to you. You have to do a lot of proactive research and looking at university web pages and what different majors lead to. And I, I think a lot of students uh, don't, they kind of assume that the coach is going to tell them all that information um, right. and they, they need to be their own best advocate and actually, you know, be really proactive about that. Yeah. I mean, in this day and age, there's so much information that's accessible, um, you know, simple Google searches and figuring out, you know, who are some past players on the team and what are they doing now? And, you know, just depending on what your goals are and, you know, how do they align to, you know, what they've achieved and what you're trying to achieve. And is, you know, that a place that could be a good fit for you? That's, in the, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. 
looking yeah. at the roster and seeing what they're majoring in. And yeah, I mean, those are excellent resources that are just available on the internet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to shift and talk a little bit about, you had mentioned 9-11 being a challenge for you uh, during your recruiting process. There was just, you know, a, a real life scenario, something that happened that, um, you know, created a hurdle. And right now we're uh, in a current state of, uh, I guess you would say, quarantine. Uh, I don't really know what our current state is right now with COVID-19, but um, it's definitely thrown a curveball at us when it comes to college recruiting. So um, what can some of these players be doing during this time to, I guess, just set themselves apart? And I mean, with that being said too, we were talking a little bit about, you know, rosters being full and those types of things, Uh, you know, with golf student athletes this year, they were extended uh, an extra year of eligibility for, the um, COVID-19, right? So yes. that's, that's definitely affected, you know, open spots at some different universities and stuff. So just talk, can you talk about some of those challenges and how we can overcome those? Definitely. So the, you know, I, I think what, how we all handle this says a lot about us as humans. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can look at it you know, negatively. And, but I, I like the way that you're framing it, you know, what can we do? And I think that's a really good way to approach all of this. Um, the, yes, (laughs) the NCAA is, has allowed all players who, you know, are currently on teams to have an additional year of eligibility at the division one and division two level. So, you know, how different conferences are handling that, um, is another, thing like there are going to be certain conferences that are saying no we're not allowing that or there are going to be different athletic departments that won't support an additional year for everybody or you know however it's it's going to be you know dependent on each specific program which is why this is kind of hard is there it's not necessarily what you know what it looks like Um, you know there are going to be coaches who I've talked to some coaches who have said it's hard you know how do we tell our best player that she can stay for an extra year, but you know, the, her roommate, she can't, um, you know, that's, that's hard. So coaches themselves are going through their own challenges with this. And, uh, so what has happened in some cases is there have been coaches who have said, okay, recruiting class of 2021, I'm sorry, but you know, we've got a few kids on campus who are going to stay an additional year. So therefore we're not going to, need you or you can come in 2022 so they're just what i would suggest and what i think is important is that you are proactive about communication with each coach that you're interested in playing for and and figuring out exactly what the situation is at that school because as i said each school and department is is handling this differently um you know one thing that that students should be be at this stage where you know we're in July of this summer and there have been a lot of tournaments canceled I've just heard about a lot of Texas events have been canceled right um you know just this morning or over the weekend so you know going forward this kind of world that we're living in is as we always it's unprecedented everybody has said that but mm-hmm. um you know what you can do and and this is kind of as a 
as a as a nation, we have our own challenges too. Right. Um, you know, but but whether it's playing in more local tournaments if they're available to you, and you know, providing updates. Uh, I think that what I'm tell what I'm what I'm currently telling my students is you kind of need to be more proactive and more communicative with coaches because they're they're not they're not physically out recruiting right now. So they're a pretty captive audience. They're on their phones. They're on their computers. They're, I had a coach tell me on Friday night that he's got like nine tabs open on his computer as he's like <laughs> following, you know, all these different kids to try to make yeah. a decision for 2021. Right. And he's, he's, he also said, he was joking. He said, I, I'm not going to know, you know, when they show up to campus, I, I, I won't have met them. You know, like it's, it's True. just, yeah, I, I'll be like, weird. oh, hey, that's what you look like in person. Cool. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I think so it's it's important to stay proactive and stay on top of that communication because coaches are, you know, in front of their computers. And, you know, I know that the amount of tournaments that you would normally play during the given during this summer is not what you were expecting. So you know, I would, I would say within, within reason and obviously with safety precautions, you know, send updates on your practice, send updates on your swing, send some video, you know, be, be more like almost feel like you are maybe giving more information than you would like, or than you would normally, than you normally would, but it's yeah. any data point is, is useful right now. Sure. What about like, um, you know, for those that are fortunate to play in events, is it going too far to like, you know, obviously parents are out there following and stuff like that, but um, would it be a good idea or not to ask mom or dad to, you know, maybe just discreetly so that the player doesn't really know when this is happening. Uh, but this is what coaches do when they're out there, you know, they may follow for a couple holes or different stuff like that. Is it, is it advantageous for mom and dad to maybe just record a couple holes and just, uh, you know, maybe unannounced to the player, but just, you know, to try to capture some type of a candid, um, I guess, scenario that the player, you know, as they're going through tournament play, just to showcase something for coaches, whether it be, you know, how they're reacting to good shots, how they're reacting to bad shots, you know, obviously you're going to see swings and those types of things and, you know, maybe catch a little bit of their approach and how, how they're playing the hole and that type of stuff. Is that I, I like I like that. Actually, yeah. I so when I was at the FCG international event last week, right at, right bef before our phone call last week, I, I was actually videotaping for some men's and some women's coaches, both okay. swings and reactions. And, yeah. you know, I was I I was honest with the, with some coaches about what I saw. You know, sure. I saw <laughs> I saw some attitude. I saw some some F-bombs dropped and yep. some club slamming, you know, which I'm fine, to be honest, uh, with coaches. And I think especially if they're, you know, their friends and colleagues, I'm going yep. to give them honest info. But I think that, again, data points are really useful. And so if if you as a parent are able to maybe capture discreetly very discreetly yeah. that info that could that could be helpful um you know especially if the tournament doesn't have live scoring or something to that effect right right yeah i think the main goal there too would be 
like you said, discreetly because, you know, in no way do you want to, um, you know, as a player, you know, try to be acting different than you would typically act or anything right. like that. Um, so right. you want it to just be very candid. So um, I, I don't know. I like the idea. I think it's something that it could just, it could help, you know, obviously showcase that player, but it also shows initiative, right? And it shows that you're, you know, going a little bit further uh, maybe than some other players are, which could be helpful in the process. Yes. Yes. I've heard coaches describe this summer as the, the armchair recruiting year (laughs) recruiting from the couch. I mean, it's truly what it is. So, yeah, I was just talking to coach Bratton last week at Oklahoma state about this exactly. And he said, you know, I've, I've been on Google a lot this year so far. So he said, I'm sitting there and I'm watching scores and I'm, you know, doing different stuff like that. Unfortunately, you know, they can't get out and watch anybody play right now, but um, yeah, there's some creative ways uh, to get it done. So um, any other ideas around that? Uh, uh, I would say that's, oh, one, one thing that I, I like too is showcasing your personality on social media. And I think, you know, there are some kids that do this pretty well yeah. who, you know, might have a, you know, I, I think there are, there are certain, <laughs> there are certain people that do not do social media well, um, that, you know, might be talking about how they're awesome all the time and, you know, won this tournament again, or, you know, there, but there's a, there's a, you can also be humble and show your maturity on social media. You know, what it's, you can win a tournament and talk about how awesome you are. You could also win a tournament and thank your coaches and thank the golf course staff and talk about what you learned that week. You know, I would much rather as a coach read about what you've learned and, you know, your maturity and assessing kind of, you know, how you, how you played over the week. Um, So I think that, that is an aspect. Um, and, and I think about when we were really stuck in the middle of all of this in March and April, there were a number of kids that had put together, um, you know, chipping challenges and different, different things that I thought were pretty fun. Uh, sure. And it showed, you know, chipping into solo cups or whatever the situation was, there were actually some pretty fun and unique ways to showcase your, your personality. And I think that's, those were, those were good ways to, use social media as a positive. Yeah. I've got, there's a, a guy that I follow. I'm not sure if you're, you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is, but he, yes, I do. He's an entrepreneur and he does a lot of educating for young people and um, you know, just showing them uh, how powerful social media is. And, you know, he's really big on kindness and empathy and, you know, just different uh, I think really good attributes and qualities. And he always says that, because I think one of the things that, you know, parents struggle with too, that maybe didn't grow up with social media is, you know, social media is changing my kid or it's social media changes or ruins people or stuff like that. But I think it has a positive effect too. And, and Gary always says something about um, social media doesn't change you. It just exposes who you actually are. And so I don't know how you feel about that specifically, but I think to your point of, you know, showcasing your personality, it's a very real raw way to do that. Um, and, and it's something that coaches look at just like, 
you know, you or I, if we were working for a company or applying for a job, um, you know, that's essentially what you're doing in a different form as a, you know, college recruit is, you know, you're under a microscope a little bit to, you know, apply, apply essentially for, you know, that role as a, as a golf student athlete, at a specific school. So, um, any thoughts on that? Definitely. Oh my gosh. That is, yes. Uh, I, 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 a lot of young people and, you know, stu- college students to a certain extent too, uh, don't realize how important your brand is and you are a brand each person is a brand and social media has made it so and my one of the things that I used to tell my student athletes was if you are if you think that your grandma is going to be scandalized by (laughs) by what you're posting on there then you need to take it down and you absolutely will be vetted for a future job on your on your social media and you could eliminate potential jobs because of social media. So uh, it's very important that, that your uh, social media is um, appropriate, but also you'd like it to be a positive reflection of you rather than, uh, you know, showcasing what you did on a Friday night. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And, and you want to show your real personality, right. And, you know, hopefully, Hopefully it's a good one, um, yeah. you yeah. know, but, you know, you also don't want to put any at the end of the day, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, you don't want to fabricate anything because the truth is the truth. And, and you know, that's going to come through at some point regardless. So um, just being conscious of what you're putting up there and, you know, making sure that, like you said, you're showing it in a positive way. It can be really helpful. It can be. It can be. And I, I will say I have a one of the challenges with that is. um I've talked to a number of students through the years who have said, oh, I don't really, I feel bad posting about like this win or I don't really want to look cocky or, you know, and, and that goes back to what I had said earlier about, you know, you can, you can showcase this in a graceful yeah. way. Um, sure. And, you know, yeah, you can be, you know, honest and, and showcase who you are. And I think that's, be, you can be genuine on it. Um, right. And it doesn't have to involve, you know, strictly selfies. You can, sure, uh, you know, and I, I think that that's, there are a lot of new trends in social media that can be fun to, you know, take part in too. So yeah, um, it can be used for good. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, well, as we move towards wrapping up, I mean, is there any other, advice that or you know any other topics that we haven't really talked about that you think are important ones and ones we shouldn't leave out for parents and players yes um i actually last monday had a real case of the monday as i went to pepperdine university and i couldn't get on campus so pepperdine is kind of it's right on top of a hill in malibu and it's beautiful and the campus was closed. And so it's interesting, you know, kind of how many campuses are technically closed. Right. Um, one of the things that I showcase on my social media is, you know, different campuses and, and things like that. Um, 
you know, I, I think that we, we've talked earlier on, we talked earlier about just using resources that are available online. Uh, you know, there are going to be a number of students who are making college decisions based on what they see on Zoom calls and what they see on, you know, virtual campus tours. Right. Um, there are going to be probably hundreds of junior golfers who are making those decisions and they're big decisions yeah. um, based on what they're seeing on a website. So um, I would, I would tell students and I've talked to a lot of coaches who have said, you know, well, my campus is available. They could come and see. And uh, I, I would say if you can, and if it's not, if it's obviously doesn't require too much travel um, you know, you can, I would encourage families, regardless of where they are. Um, I know that a lot of junior golf families are still traveling right now. Right. I would I would encourage them to go visit campuses and kind of have that in-person feel uh, if you can. Um, again, certain campuses will be like will have like physical gates that you can't drive through. Sure. Um, you know, but but I would I would really recommend that students, and parents, um, you know, if you're t playing in, I've got, you know, students playing in different AJGAs this week. If you're down in, um, or if you're up in Wisconsin, that you go visit the University of Wisconsin or Marquette or, you know, you know, you make, you make the effort to, you know, physically visit some campuses while you can. Um, and, and we're waiting on, obviously, like, you know, big statements from the Ivy League's making a statement here July 8th about what their policies are going to be for college sports going forward this fall. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of information I think that's going, that's still forthcoming about college campuses and whether or not students will be physically on them this fall. Yeah. Um, so I would suggest to, you know, use your time wisely right now while you can. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, if some of these families that are listening, um, and, and players or parents, you know, have any additional questions or are looking for, you know, an opportunity to work with somebody like you? I mean, what's the best way uh, for them to connect with you? So I have a few forms on my website. That's a good way to do it. I also on my Instagram, which is golf globally at golf globally, everybody give me a follow. Um, there's a there's actually a contact form. I have a Squarespace. Um, okay scheduling link so people can schedule a a complimentary 30 minute kind of just consultation session yeah okay okay yeah it's a good idea i mean it's the whole college recruiting process is a tough one to begin with and especially you know um you know with some of the challenges that we've got right now but you know i think both of us are kind of looking at it as a you know let's let's take a positive approach what can we control and let's try to um, you know, make some strides towards that uh, just to make sure that, you know, you can give yourself the best opportunities that you can. And obviously, um, you know, Dr. Katie is here to do that and help you guys. Um, if you have any, you know, questions or, you know, looking to work with somebody, um, you know, obviously you can connect with her and do that. But um, I really appreciate you being on today. And one of the things that I do at the end, uh, that's a little bit of a curveball for the guest is I just kind of toss the baton back to you and ask you to fire a question or two back at me. Great. So, so what has been, so now that you're transitioning to, I, I think that your, your uh, career path is really interesting. Uh, now that you're kind of, you're working in, you're working for the corn Ferry tour. 
um, and one of their events in Florida. Uh, what do you wish you knew as a, you know, as somebody, as a younger person, let's just say this age group of 16 to, or let's say 14 to 18, what do you wish you knew that you know now? Hmm. Um, I would say that, well, when I was that age, it's maybe a little bit too long ago. So, um, but when I was that age, and it's actually a conversation I had with coach Bratton last week was I had asked him a question about, um, you know, kind of what separates some of the players from the college level to the professional level. And I thought he had a really good answer. And it's something that, you know, I think a lot of players struggle with trying to create the perfect swing or um, be too technical. And they forget that they're playing a game of golf, which requires you to put the ball in the hole. And what I would say is something that he brought up was going all in on what your strengths are and uh, letting that lead you. And I think that, you know, I, I think we're seeing that more and more in the game right now. Um, the guys that are doing their own thing and being unique, whether it be a Matthew Wolf, you know, with an interesting swing um, or it be, you know, agree or disagree with it. Bryson just won this week and he's doing something his way. And he, you know, made some comments after his round that, you know, I don't think anybody will really follow me you know, down this path, you know, I'm doing what I think I need to be doing. And so I think that that's something that's really important for young players is, you know, uh, to have a good group of people around you who are going to be honest with you, uh, that are going to, you know, give you honest feedback about what you're good at and lean into that as much as you can and try not to worry so much about um, what you're not good at, because it can probably take you a lot further if you go all in on that stuff. That's great. I also loved that uh, interview with coach Bratton. That was a really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank he's you. Yeah, a, was good. He's just a brilliant mind, obviously in college golf. Um, yeah, he is. Okay. So my last, so my, my next question, you said a few, yep. so I'm going to ask another one. Um, yeah, far away. you, you obviously at IMG, you worked in the college, you know, you helped kids with the college recruiting process. You had different student athletes, international and kids here in the U S um, what would you say your kind of biggest advice was for families who are going through this process? Um, let's see. My biggest advice for those families, you know, when I was at IMG, I really tried to help families make the best decision for their kid at that time. Um, and so what I mean by that is, you know, there are, IMG is in an environment where they, you know, you have the ability to go in and train really young. Um, so, I mean, you could go for, I think as young as fifth grade now, uh, when I was there, they got rid of the elementary school, but kept the fifth grade in the middle school. So, um, if I'm giving advice to parents, I would say that it's a really good idea to listen to your kids and what they're interested in. Um, I think that, Golf is a really good way to create opportunities for young players that are passionate about it. Um, but I did see a few different instances where maybe mom and dad were making decisions um, that were, you know, I, I don't know if forcing is the right word, but um, 
you know, weren't really taking all of the things into consideration when it came to what their kids were interested in. And they was just, they wanted them to go play golf. So I would say from a parent perspective, um, just listen to your kids, try to push them and give them as many opportunities as you can, but also with the main goal of making sure that they're happy. Um, and then I would kind of say the same thing for kids. Um, you got to do what makes you happy. And so if golf is a sport that makes you happy, um, that's awesome. I, it makes me happy. And uh, I think it does you too. And, um, you know, I think it can be really good that way. Or if you're somebody that loves playing multiple sports and you're really talented in golf, maybe do that for as long as you can. And then, you know, if you need to focus in, you know, like kind of like you did, you know, you got a couple years left and, uh, in high school and you need to focus in on, you know, one specific sport to get really good at it. Um, then you can do that. But I think that, you know, you talked about burnout earlier. I think you brought that up. Um, it's real, it happens. Um, you know, and so I think variety and ultimately just, you know, doing stuff that's going to make you happy is going to be good and working really hard at it. I agree with you on that. And I'm glad that you brought up the parent component because that's really, it's a really important part of it. I actually just had a conversation with a client about that. You know, the parents were like, we needed, we kind of, we took some time and we realized that this is his life. And, you know, (laughs) we really, really want him to go to this certain school. However, he really, really, really wants to go somewhere else. And so we, we are at peace with that now. And that is a really important thing for, you know, parents to sort of, and families to kind of get to together on the journey. Yeah. I think it's a, um, it can be a really tough conversation and I'm not a parent yet. I know you, um, are an expecting parent. Um, and so that's really exciting. Uh, but I, you know, I can't speak from experience there as a parent. I, I hope that I would, I hope that I will when I become one, um, you know, just really try to get a really good understanding of what my kids are good at, what their interests are, what makes them happy. And by introducing them to a lot of different opportunities, uh, I think that that's the best way to do that. And then they're naturally going to gravitate towards what they like to do the most and what they're probably is going to incorporate what they're best at too, because, you know, you tend to like what you're good at. Um, but it's a tough conversation to have sometimes, you know, especially for parents and, um, but, but I would say it's an important conversation to have. So on either end of the spectrum. So if you're a parent that is just, questioning, you know, am I doing the right thing as a parent? Maybe just sit down and try to have that conversation with your child. Um, or if you're a young kid that's listening to this right now and you're a golfer, if you're, if you're listening to this right now, chances are you're interested in golf and you found this podcast because, you know, you wanted to find out some more information. But if you are questioning a little bit, if this is the path that you want to go down, it is a hundred percent okay to have that conversation with your parent and say, you know, maybe I want to try something else, or maybe I still want to do this. And I just want to dial it back a little bit um, and maybe create a little bit more balance. You know, I think that as adults, uh, you know, you and I and any other adult out there, we're always looking for, you know, what is, what does work-life balance mean? And, you know, it's different for some people than it is for others. And, you know, some people work more than others do, but they might really enjoy that. You know, I've, I'm fortunate that I work in the golf industry and it happens to be one of my biggest passions. And so it's not a lot of work for me um, because I really enjoy it. So, um, 
yeah, I'm kind of going off on a tangent there, but I think just having the conversation is just really important. Right. I, in the, in the very kind of end of the process. So now with a lot of my 2021 students, we're going through this where we'll have a, you know, it's, you know, a sheet of paper essentially, that's a list of pros and cons and each school will have a different sheet, you know? So, but this is a conversation and process that you are going through with your parents, you know, because you might need, you know, you might, no matter what you need their support financially, their emotional support, all these things, everybody's got to be on the same page. Yeah. But, you know, I think that, that, that exercise is really useful because you realize that there's no perfect place. Like there's not a single school that's going to tick every box for you. You know, like there are going to be a lot of drawbacks anywhere you go. I mean, when I was looking at Notre Dame, like the weather was not great. <laughs> the, right. pl- the fact that we were not near a, a, a good airport and it was not great. You know, there are a lot of things that at every school won't be perfect. But, right. um, you know, if you as a family are going down this road together, which is really what you need to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, then then you you can kind of navigate those things and be like, well, you know, we've done our due diligence and we've done our research and this is the best path forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Communication is key, right? Yes. Hugely. So. Yeah. Well, Katie, I really appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Um, Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Really good conversation. And, um, you know, definitely feel like, you know, there's a lot of value that, you know, parents and families and young players can take away from this conversation. So I really appreciate your time. Great. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity and have a good week. Yeah, you too. You too. All right. Stay uh, safe and stay healthy. Thank you. You too. Okay. Well, that wraps up episode 45 of Junior Golf Keys with our guest this week, Dr. Katie Brophy-Miles, founder and CEO of Golf Globally. Um, Like I said before we got started, uh, really good conversation. Katie's an expert in this field. I know you guys took away some value from our conversation, and uh, I just want to thank her for her time, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, As I always ask, um, if you like this episode, if you took any value away from it, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the other exciting guests that we've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.